Feel free to grab uh, as many bagels as there are left in tea throughout the morning, especially on a morning like this. Uh, do not feel like you have to just stay seated. Uh, please be respectful to the kids and the adults that will be sharing, but if you need to move around the room, go get the, uh, hit the restroom, grab some more to drink, feel free to do that. We want you to uh, feel comfortable. Uh, good morning. If you're new or visiting, glad that you're here and with us. Uh, we would love to connect with you if you'd like to connect with us. Uh, and we've uh, set up a couple different ways that are pretty easy to do that. One is through our app. It's free online, uh, both iOS and Android. You can grab that black screen with white lettering, Rock Creek Church. There's a connect box on there. Just give us a little info, <clears throat> and then we'll be in touch with you, take you out for coffee and get to know you a little bit, and maybe hear your story, let you hear our story about our church, answer some questions, let you know uh, maybe some different ways that you could uh, jump in and start building community and get involved. You can also do that through our iPad kiosk that is right outside this wall uh, by the front door, just a little iPad there. Uh, just type in your name and phone number or email, whatever you'd like to give us, and then we'll be in touch with you. Uh, we just want to make it easy to connect with you, um, but we don't want it to be intrusive or guilting or anything like that. So whenever you're ready to connect, we'd love to uh, connect with you. Right after church today, we have an all-church uh, Christmas decorating the church party. Uh, of sorts. So if you want to stick around and help us with that, <clears throat> that would be greatly appreciated. If you need to sprint and go grab something to eat, Pope's paying. Um, and so please uh, just jump in his car. As many can fit in his car, he's paying. So um, yeah, so jump on that. Uh, but if you want to grab something to eat, come back and join us. If this is your first Sunday and you're just checking us out, Great way to get to know people, uh, to grab, go grab some food, come back, and just start setting up trees and lights, and we're going to decorate the stage with trees, and we've got some new things that uh, we're implementing uh, for the church, and so just a really fun day, so whoever can join us, uh, we'd love to have you, uh, and so that's right after the service, so instead of uh, us dismissing and then you hanging out talking for an hour, which we love, we'd love for you to get to work. Uh, and so that's what's going on. Uh, we have our foster care Christmas party that's coming up. One of the things that we care deeply about is orphans and foster care uh, kids. And so we have, uh, last year we threw a huge party for the foster care system of Boulder County Social Services, uh, invited all the families from the entire county to come here so that we could uh, just love them and give them a great party. Uh, kind of a, an escape a little bit from the, from the rat race that goes into fostering and uh, had Santa Claus and gifts for all the kids and a nice dinner and uh, live music and it was a great, great time. We had about 50 people from the county come. This year, uh, we're probably close to 140-ish uh, of people that are coming here and so we are going to throw a huge party for them. It's not for us, we're the workers uh, we're throwing a huge party for them in Jesus' name and with his love. Uh, we've got live Christmas music. We've got, uh, I think, a taco burrito bar for them. Is that correct? Uh, taco burrito bar. We've got a tent set up for Santa. We have uh, presents for every biological uh, foster and adopted uh, child. So we're going to flood that, their families with gifts. We have wagon rides throughout the front, face painting, and the list goes on to give them just an incredible, magical night in the name of Christ and, and to love them. And so uh, 
routinely uh, throughout the uh, hallways of Boulder County. People are walking around going, why is this church doing this? Uh, what are they trying to do? What's the cost? And there just isn't. Uh, we love them because God has loved us. And so we want to just uh, shower that upon them and then invite them to Christmas Eve if they'd like to join us. So with that said, so far we don't have any extra kids that need presents. You all took care of that. So major kudos on you. Thank you. Uh, we do have some more slots uh, for Cindy and her team will be back there. You can help out for five minutes. You can help out for five hours. Uh, you can uh, sign up for a bunch of different things and, and do those in succession, or you can uh, just do one thing and then leave. Uh, it's, it's really intended uh, to get everybody involved from the youngest of young to the oldest of old. And so even if you just show up to drop something off and leave, we had several people do that last year. Awesome. No big deal. We'd love that. We had a lot of people last year help set up. And then when it was set up, they were still looking for now what? And we said, you're dismissed. Go. And because we had so many different teams. And so Cindy has done an incredible job organizing that. We are excited. Uh, and so if you haven't found your place, go see Cindy and Alan at the back table. We'll plug you in somewhere. You just let us know what your gifts are and how much time you can give. And then we'll plug you in and, and do that. All right. Anything else? All right, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hey, um, so this morning's a little bit different. If, you, if you're new around here, uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, normally, we have a sermon, and, and we just finished a sermon series on James. Next week, we kick off a brand new Christmas series leading up to Christmas Eve, where we're, we've entitled it, Significant Ways in Order to Kill Your Joy During Christmas, Okay. <laughs> Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at all the ways that your joy can be robbed and destroyed during the Christmas season. On Christmas Eve, we will focus on where is joy found, where is that true joy discovered. And then after Christmas, the Sunday after Christmas, we're going to be looking at how do you live that out? How do you sustain that joy? But leading up to it, we're going to be dealing with stinginess, selfishness, everything that robs you of that Christmas joy. And then at the same token, uh, how do we live that out? So uh, invite you to come back uh, next week. But today, our team just got back uh, late Friday night from our family surf trip to Juarez. And we're going to be sharing uh, with you. You won't be listening to me. You'll be listening to all the folks that, that came some of their stories. I will refer to them as best I can. We had all of them pick an adjective that uh, started with their the first letter of their first name. So mine, I, I tried to be big-hearted Brian, uh, and so that was mine. Lisa, we all spent the week trying to assign her ones, and so um, you'll hear most of those throughout the morning. I'll just slip them in here and there. Um, and so I think her first one that she chose for herself was listening, Lisa. Um, but we self-assigned a lot of those. Gary, you're going to appreciate most of these. Appreciate you being here. All right. So with that said, I am going to tell you just um, for about a minute here, I'm going to tell you about our trip. Well, we loaded up on Monday morning very early, got down there, uh, crossed the border with absolutely no problem. In fact, we barely slowed down. So thank you guys for praying. We also did not get taxed a single penny on almost 300 shoeboxes that we took down there. So praise the Lord on that. We were at two different orphanages. One was at the YWAM base. Uh, we went to church. 
we did a huge feeding where we fed over 100 people, not counting ourselves, uh, with a humongous meal and served them. Uh, we did work projects, painting, you'll see some of those. Some people spent significant time inside a bathroom, some by choice, some working, Mark Shevlin. And so um, you'll see some of those pictures uh, as we launched. Uh, and then uh, we played a lot with the kids, just poured into them. And it seemed like every two minutes we were being uh, implored, if you could come back, please come back, please come back. We need the help. We need the help. Please come back. And so it was really nice to receive that uh, from the folks that we were serving. We spent a lot of time with our family, uh, the Torreses, uh, their extended family down there. We also adopted some new family members with the YWAM base there in uh, El Paso and Juarez. And, uh, and so it was an incredible trip. So those are some broad um, brush strokes. The night before we came home, it was a three-hour border crossing uh, for people because it was Black Friday. And so it's a three-hour wait. Uh, by the time we left our um, base in Juarez and we were across the border, the complete amount of time um, was 41 minutes. Uh, and so God just blessed us significantly. We probably only spent about 20 minutes at the border. And so God is just so good. So those are some huge, um, broad brushstrokes. No one got the kind of Mexico sickness. Uh, we got some sniffles and some fevers and some aches and pains, but, but we didn't get the uh, hold my bucket uh, sort of <laughs> sickness that can sometimes travel throughout a team. So um, uh, before the team starts sharing, I've had several of you ask me if we uh, personally saw or knew of any of the caravan, uh, if you've been watching the news about that. Um, we didn't see any of that. Uh, however, we talked to several of our new friends that are there uh, that are doing uh, outreach and ministry to the caravan, uh, people that are all women, uh, ch uh, women, children, and some men, uh, beautiful families, kind, uh, gentle, soft-spoken, uh, complete opposite of what you read in the news. I'm sorry, not trying to get political, but I do need to speak the truth. Is um, It's just not what you see. Um, and so, anyhow, you're going to see some holiness and some, some not holiness. Um, so that's what's going on. So first of all, I'm going to invite the Carpenter family. If the Carpenter family can join us, you guys can give them a round of applause for coming up here. We have uh, tired Tricia. Uh, we assigned that because you guys can come on up here. Every, every time we turned around on the bus, uh, Tricia was asleep. Um, and so that was wonderful. <clears throat> um, but she chose trusting or, or trusty uh, Tricia. And, and nerdy Nate, because uh, nerds unite. Uh, so we're super excited about that. Reliable Riley, which absolutely... Uh, came through and kind-hearted Kaylee, uh, which was uh, super special. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. Up in the crow's nest is we have detail-oriented Derek. Um, so it's a super smart family if you don't know them. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Tricia. You, I, I was able to watch you both as a mom and just uh, as Tricia on the trip. What was the most impactful thing, both personally? and as a mother with her, with her family? Um, so I'll, I'll say as a mother, I, I appreciated 
how little mothering I had to do to mm. my kids, other than the day when Kaylee had the fever and was sick and we kind of hung out and lay low in the room. But um, really, I felt like my kids were just off, you know? I mean, everywhere we went, they just... Um, we, they they want to see the pictures. Oh, I always like telling people. <laughs> um, but they just, they just all went and did, you know? I mean, we, we would... Um, get to the orphanage and then you know when it was time to play they just all dispersed and I really loved and appreciated the way everybody just went and found their place like I kind of expected you know that they might be more clinging to me or clinging to Derek you know unsure about what to do because there's moments when you're like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing right mm -hmm. now but really I saw very little of them other than that I got to sit back and watch them which yeah. was really cool. And you made a comment on the way home where you were kind of wondering where your place was, um, not necessarily the ultra extrovert, um, but also not really the athlete and, and what we did with a lot of the kids. Uh, share with us how God actually used your skill set in a very special moment. Right, because I'm not the soccer ball kicking kind of person. <laughs> and so, you know, when we got there to the orphanage, a lot of people were out there um, playing sports with the kids, and I thought... Well, you know, those of you who know me, you know I'm a math tutor. And my passion, my professional passion is teaching math. Well, it just so happened I saw a little girl who was sitting, um, sitting down while everyone else was playing, and she was flipping through a packet of papers. And I came over and sat with her to see what she was looking at. And it was a, like a homework assignment or a test that she had gotten back, and it was graded. And so she pointed to me, and she said, Bien, Malo, because some were marked correct and some were incorrect. <laughs> and then, you know, I was able to talk to her about school and how she liked school. And she told me that she liked la ciencia, science, mm -hmm. but not matemáticas. <laughs> and so I was able to actually, you know, and I know some Spanish. And so I was able to read the questions with her and actually help her. And we did some math together and some geografía geography. And we figured out the latitude and longitude of the city that she hadn't gotten correct. And it was... It was amazing to me because I wasn't expecting to be able to, to get to, to teach and to uh, use my skills. So. Yeah, and you'll also see a picture here at some point. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> the only thing that I knew you could play on a recorder is hot cross buns. Um, somehow Trisha turned it into this like, beautiful instrument. She's the only one on the planet I've ever seen use a recorder that sounds pretty. Sorry for those of you who are recorder people. Um, I love but recorder. You'll, you'll Derek, see a, not so much, but I love it. She's like playing silent. <laughs> I'll tell you about that picture in a second. Um, uh, but it was absolutely beautiful. Riley, uh, tell me, you, you picked the name Reliable Riley. Uh, tell us how, uh, tell us why you picked that name, and then uh, how did God actually allow you to, to bring that to life? So um, I guess I picked that name because I just really wanted on this trip to be able to just provide help where it's needed. I personally am not extroverted at all, but I just wanted to not have to deal with the stress of being there and being uncertain and just follow through with what God's pulling me to do. And I just felt after the trip, I mean, just being able to open up with these kids and just spend time with them, but also just serve them and just fulfill what I felt I was called to do. I just really felt that uh, it was just really God used that uh, uh, adjective and just uh, helped me just apply it to the, uh, the trip. Great. And Kaylee, I'm going to ask you a question if you want to grab the mic. Uh, you shared something with us. Um, you told us that you don't know any Spanish and the kids didn't know any English, and yet somehow 
you guys were able to communicate and play together. How did God uh, ha make that happen? Um, well, I'm bring it up real close. Well, I was just um, walking around in the gym, trying to find something to do, and the frisbee came at me, and I caught it and tossed it back, and all of a sudden, someone came up to me and pulled me over. That's awesome. Yeah, in the gym, you'll see a few pictures of that. You kind of had to keep your head on a swivel uh, if you didn't want to end up in the ER. Um, there were uh, frisbees and footballs and basketballs and soccer balls and Nerf balls, and, and there was no um, organization to it whatsoever other than more chaos is better. Uh, one of the things that Kaylee said to me was, even though I don't know Spanish and they don't know English, uh, smiles and laughter uh, allowed us to communicate. And so it was really special um, to watch you all as a family um, and super glad you guys uh, came with us. So good job. Give them a round. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, Albert's not here. Uh, Riley actually came up with a great uh, joke. Do you want to share your joke about Albert? Come on up. <laughs> I was going to, but it's just so much better from this brilliant young man. Okay, so what do you call the descendants of Albert? Albertsons. And this is as we pass a store that says Albertsons in big letters. That was at the end of the trip when all of a sudden everything's funny. Uh, even like Shevlin was funny at the end. It's, when you have no sleep, everybody's funny. So uh, it worked out really, really well. Uh, Pope, why don't you guys, uh, your crew, come on up here. Bring Cameron with you. Uh, they're kind of the four in one. You can give them a round of applause as well. Cameron, I'm going to start with you, and if you guys can just make sure you get it to the chin, they'll control the volume for you. Uh, Cameron, we visited uh, and spent quite a bit of time at Bethel Orphanage uh, with a young lady whose name is Anna, uh, and she took us on a tour but also shared her heart, and there were some things that she shared about the kids um, where it broke her heart even sharing and really had an impact on you. Can you share... Um, the, the story of what she shared, but also what an impact it, it had on you. Um, so as we were getting the tour and she was showing us all the kids' rooms and just, um, it was just amazing what they did with what they had because they didn't have that much, but they made it really special for the kids. And every night they would um, pray with the little kids. And Anna was just saying how amazing it was to her and honestly how heartbreaking it was that when the little kids prayed, so many of them had been abused, and that's part of the reason why they were there, some of them. And she was talking about how the little kids would pray for their parents who had hurt them and pray forgiveness for them. And these are little kids. I think the, most of the oldest kids I saw were about 11, 12 maybe. Most of these are very little kids. And so I just thought that was amazing they could do that because, <laughs> I mean, in life I'll just, you know, somebody will say something mean and I'm mad at them for a week or something, and these kids are like, no, like these are, I love them, and I'm going to pray for them no matter what happened. And it was just really amazing that they still were able to do that because that's, that's something that adults sometimes can't even do, and these are little kids. It was really, 
Good. And, and what, how were you challenged on the trip? What did God reveal to you and, and what, do you, what do you bring home with you? Um, I think a lot of times I feel like, oh, you know, I, I'm not the most extroverted person. Like, I you know, didn't know very much Spanish and so I was just kind of worried that I wouldn't really be able to do much. Um, but there were so many little kids and like when we were taking the tour, this little girl just came up and hugged me. And so like, I didn't even have to try because they already wanted to be with us. They wanted to play with us. They wanted to love us. And so God used those little kids to kind of take me out of my shell a little bit mm. and make me really able to do my best and love on those kids and those people because it didn't matter if I didn't know Spanish or wasn't particularly confident about it. He was going to use them to love me and help me to love them mm. even more. So Good. Awesome. Izzy. Uh, you were kind of all over the place uh, with all kids and adults and serving in different places. Uh, how did God use you? And what is it that you're bringing back with you as far as, you know, we talk about next steps in this church. Um, how did God use you and what's the next step for you? Um, I think mostly I don't know any Spanish, okay? I'm not versed. I could not speak to any of these children. Um, but I think it mostly just helped to see how I could help them feel loved and trusted and that they could trust me in return. And I don't think that's something that came for me. I think that was something mm. that God helped me do. Yeah. And um, it was when the little, this little girl would turn around and she'd be making fun of me one second. And, <laughs> and then I would look at her while she was not, when she thought I wasn't looking at her. And she'd be smiling at me in a way that would show trust and like true peace that um, really helped me see that it doesn't take a lot to help someone feel loved. Mm. It just takes someone putting the effort in and just trying to talk to them and give them a smile even for a couple hours. Mm. Yeah. This was the most unhealthy corn that we had. <laughs> uh, however, it was the best but we didn't eat healthy. All right. Hey, Gideon, um, you were another. Uh, Gideon has enough energy for any of you, so if you need some, uh, Gideon has leftovers. Uh, how did God use, um, your, your nickname was Generous, uh, Generous uh, Gideon. How did God use the generosity of your heart and your energy uh, with the kids while we were there? I feel like um, God used me to just put others in front of me and uh, put other people's needs in front of my own needs and to help them do what they wanted to do on the trip. Like with the kids at the orphanage, um, they all that one kid named Adya was grabbing the ball the whole time we were having the tour. And he really wanted to play with that ball. And so finally when he got to, he was just really, really excited. I'm just glad we had that idea to bring that. And um, he really used me through kids at like, uh, that last night, or the last day Thursday, at lunch, we were sitting with these orphans, and we, uh, there's such a bad language barrier. Like, I, have, I know absolutely no Spanish, little to none. Um, but they were still joking around with us, and I was able to make them laugh and smile, and that was just really great, and I felt really good about it. Awesome. Pope, um, I want you to share, uh, you had a ton of experiences, but I want you to share as a dad. Um, put your dad hat on. You're there with your kids. You're watching them serve and be challenged. 
what goes through your mind as you're watching that, and, and how are you feeling this morning? Um, it was amazing, and, and I kind of echo what, what Tricia said. There's, there's always that doubt. How are they going to react? What are they going to do? And I had been there, so I tried warning them as much as I possibly could, but I didn't have to look after them. Um, I didn't have to chastise them and say, do this. They were just, you could just see God just flowing through them, and you could see pouring from them love that, and I hate to say this, that I honestly didn't know they had. Um, I had never seen it in that capacity before. Um, and it was just amazing. It was absolutely just amazing. Watch them, you know. Hey, Mark, gen- there you are. <laughs> That's the only way to paint. It's like multitasking. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I continued to embarrass them, but they were awesome for me. Um, and so I think that was the biggest thing, not only with mine, but, but as a dad, and you're watching over kids, and you wish these kids had parents, um, and for a brief moment, we got to be parents to a bunch of kids um, and just love them like parents love. And I have never, and I told them, I think, every night a million times, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. It's mm. awesome. Give them a round of applause, you guys. Very, very cool. Great job. All right, let's have the Hassel crew come on up. Give them a round of applause. Loyal Athena, helpful Hannah, talkative Chris. Actually, no, it was uh, compassionate Chris. I just threw the talking in there. And Sarah was social Sarah. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Hannah. Uh, was unbelievable. I didn't know, I have never seen you serve like that. I had never seen it come alive. How did God use your adjective? You picked it. Helpful, Hannah. How were you helpful to the masses, and where did you see God use that? I think I was helpful when um, there was like a little girl when we were playing in the orphanage in the gym, and there was a little girl who was hurt. And the first person she came up to was me, and I feel like I helped her because I um, asked her what she needed and, like, um, went up to a person and asked them to help me. Yeah, good. Athena. Yes. Um, I, I have told you face-to-face, I want to just share with everyone else, I've watched this beautiful young lady uh, bloom before our eyes, literally, in Christ. Um, and a heart that was broken for the people and for the kids. Um, at some point, I'll bring you up on stage and we'll talk about your story. Um, uh, but that's for another date. But for now, um, God tugged on your heart there. Um, what was the tug and what do you feel is uh, the response now because of that tug? Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> So the tug for me was the fact that those kids hardly had anything. And <laughs> I don't like to be comforted no when I cry. <laughs> um, and it was so hard because I realized that that was me when I was a kid and that I did not have great parents growing up. And realizing that those kids had went through a lot that I had and they had been broken so badly and you could see the pain in their eyes. And a huge part of me for that had shown me the way of what I want to do 
And I'm hoping if I get the funds to go back in July, to go back and help those kids for a long time, as much, as long as possible, to give all the love I have to those kids who don't get it from the people they should. That's awesome. So we are in the process of uh, processing with Athena and, and uh, praying through that call. So she's really looking to go back maybe for a DTS. You can actually go back and be there for a year to work at the orphanage. The orphanage at the YWAM base only has 28 kids because that's how many workers uh, they have available for the ratio. They can have up to 70. In fact, if they had enough staff today, they would have 70 kids with a snap of the fingers. Uh, and so Athena is wrestling, grappling, praying uh, about that. And I can uh, promise you, uh, if the Lord puts that call in your heart, uh, the funds will be there uh, in a heartbeat. So it was really, really fun to, to watch you come alive uh, and add to the trip. Chris, uh, you are there. Uh, you see the people. Chris knew quite a bit of Spanish, uh, was able to uh, help out uh, quite a bit and uh, spend time not just with the kids, but also some adults. Um, Chris and I will always be united as brothers because of a uh, a, a situation that the picture still haunts me, but it's, it's good, but it was super hard. Can you share um, the moment that you and I uh, and Sarah got to experience at the orphanage? Yeah, there was a... Um, what I can say is that there's a lot of things about all of Mexico that are really the same. The areas we were at were just like inner city Chicago. There were places where there was just a festival fundraiser at a school. You and I have been to things like that. The uh, people hanging out at church and eating a ton of stuff, kids racing around, just the same. It was wonderful. And that barrier of not having Spanish or not having real Spanish kept pushing me, making me realize, I wish I really knew it. I don't. Not enough. Because everyone had to stop. And everyone looked at me like, okay? I mean, they did not get what I was trying to say. But... um. But one thing that started to hit me over time is just that poverty there races out into the country. It doesn't do that here. It stays in the city, or it grows in a city, or it's out in the rural areas. There, shacks and dumps and garbage are way all out. And the orphanage is sitting in the middle of that. And of course, what we know about it is crime is very bad there. The orphanage is pretty far away from things. But we saw what we had heard about. We heard a lot about where these kids came from, um, my pastor and my, myself saw it happen right there. And that this, um, this grimacing, very well-dressed, he had greased his hair up, man with the best clothes he could put his kids in was dropping four children off. He was dressed as well as he could be and he, had, he was doing what he could. And I looked around, when I was in the cafeteria, I took a nice panoramic shot and I noticed while I was doing that there was a guy who was kneeling and I thought, oh, the kitchen staff must be praying. That was him actually pleading to take his four children. And this, I listened and I caught only a little bit of Spanish, but he said, no es seguro, no es seguro. It's not secure, it's not safe. He was telling them why he couldn't keep them. And um, that was, all the staff were very clearly stone-faced. I thought they were praying, they were looking at him. And they knew what he was talking about. So he was dressed up to leave and maybe not be a dad anymore. He was dressed up, possibly, maybe he has a problem, someone's chasing him, maybe he loses his life. These kids would live on with the best things he could buy for him, and he wanted to look good when he dropped them off. And the kids, uh, Brian made, is accurate, they did not seem to know exactly what was going on. They were just kind of squinting. 
and um, we prayed for him, Brian and I did. But uh, you talked to Brian about imagining to drop his kids off. I, uh, he'd probably rather remove a limb. Um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine even slightly. Uh, but um, he smiled it's like he was just, my kids are going to be safe. My kids are going to be safe. He, he was, we had heard from, um, from Anna that he's probably an addict. But even an addict knows when someone's after him or when it's not safe. And uh, that was that part of the, of the orphanage that we don't see. And that's a part of something, thank the Lord, holy God, we don't have here. But um, anyway, I just wanted to say that's part of what we're helping. And that's part of what really is there. There's so many things that are the same. That's, that's not the same. And that's why we go. It's because we have hearts for that. And I, compassion, I get compassion for a ton of things, but that's just how can you not? So Brian already has a big heart. And I just had one pulled even more, showing the way Christ would feel. Yeah, it was interesting watching that father um, as he <laughs> drops his boys off at the orphanage, telling them, be brave, uh, be safe, make me proud, you're okay. Um, and that was awful. You know, people say, hey, did you have a good trip? Did you have fun? And I want to say yes, but there are some things that fun isn't. Fun isn't the right descriptive um, to watch that. And for me, I thought about my boys. Um, their birth mother and their birth father loved them dearly, but couldn't provide for them uh, and could not take care of them. Desperately wanted to, but couldn't, and found Sandy and I um, to adopt Luke and Seth so that we could. And this dad was, in essence, doing that. Um, I can't take care of them. I can't provide for them. Would you? And um, and so all the kids that you see, they all they all have a story uh, that we're pouring into and loving. And Anna even said, every time you laugh with a kid, every time you hug a kid, every time you throw a frisbee with a kid, you're you're depositing trust and love into that uh, child. Um, and so we do what we can. Um, but it certainly does. God has a way of crushing the heart and then rebuilding it uh, even stronger. Um, and uh, for those of you who have been on trips before where you read the scriptures, it says God is near the brokenhearted. Um, it's it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around when you're in the States always, but when you're um, some of these places like uh, Mexico and Haiti and Africa and others, uh, the scriptures just become a little bit more real. So, Sarah, you were social Sarah. Um, Sarah's the most outgoing, extravagant extrovert that we have. Um, actually, the, the direct opposite, uh, which is <laughs> why she chose the name social Sarah. Um, and yet God um, uh, was able to use your descriptive um, to put you at work and you found your niche. Can you share with us a, a couple of different ways that God was able to use you? So you'll see a lot of the pictures up there of me are in a kitchen, which is <laughs> intentional. Um, I have a lot of, I feel like I have a lot of skills. Most of them are applicable in, in, in a very corporate office environment, except for one, which is uh, cooking. And um, so I like to cook and I like to be in kitchens. And from the get-go, um, I sort of, found that I was drawn, somebody needed to serve the lunches to the kids, so I went in there and served lunches to the kids. And um, when we were at the church, the next day, this church, as a matter of fact, um, I had gone into the kitchen and asked and let them know through a translator that I could help if they needed any help in the kitchen. And I had been told that the Mexican kitchen 
is a sacred place and you need to be invited in. So I let them know I was available and then I got, got out um, because I was getting some suspicious looks. Um, at any rate, when, I, when it came time to serve the lunch, um, Beth came and grabbed me and, and brought me into the kitchen and I said I was there to help. Somebody shoved a, a bowl of guacamole in my, right in front of me and told me to mash. So I was gonna mash. I mashed my little heart out. And um, pretty soon I was cutting up avocados and grabbing things off the floor and wiping up counters and serving up food and telling them they needed two plates and, and serving a pie and, and ended up all the way to the point where we were um, rolling out. I was able to roll out sopapillas. They wouldn't let me roll out the tortillas. I mean, I was part of the team, but let's not get crazy. Um, <laughs> rolling tortillas. Uh, tortillas apparently are, are not for the the white lady, um, but um, I could roll out sopapillas, and so a girl, uh, this one woman and I named Sarah, we were both Team Sarah, which was kind of awesome, uh, we were rolling out the, tortilla, uh, the sopapillas, and um, some of them were fried, and they were clearly too thin, and um, Jenny kept telling us, they're okay, they're okay, everybody, Teresa kept telling us, they're okay, and it was obvious that they were not okay, <laughs> um, and so they were starting to gather up all the little um, pieces of, of sopapilla and putting them into thicker balls, and um, I said, you want us to do them all? And they're like, yes. And so it was very, it was like this moment of they were too polite to tell me that they were too thin, but they really wanted them to be right. Um, so Sarah and I, Sarita and I, ended up re-rolling out all of the uh, um, sopapillas, and they, they turned out fine. Um, so that was a real moment for me of being able to communicate. It was by very limited Spanish. It's easy to communicate in the kitchen with um, women who also know how to be in a kitchen. I think many of you probably have had that experience with, with your family when you're all in the kitchen together. And for me, that's a real moment of being able to serve and communicate and love and just pour everything you have into the food that then goes out to the, the community. So it was a very special um, way that God was... I felt like God worked with me and worked so that we could... We could we could bond together, and it was a very, that to me was like the highlight of, one of the highlights of my life. I'm not, I'm not going to be kid around. It was really a very special thing for me as well as on that trip, so. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Repentings, if you could join us on stage, that would be great. Give them a round of applause. One of the coolest things, um, you know, we're, we're individuals a lot on the trip. Uh, it's kind of controlled chaos, but we're also families. You guys settled? You good? Going by age? All right. Fair enough. Uh, so it's, it's, it's super fun to watch families uh, together. You're getting glimpses of this, uh, and so it's really fun. I'm going to start with you, Lisa. I, <laughs> Gary, can you please parent your daughter? Um, Gary, uh, Gary, Gary, what would you like to say? Lisa, uh, you mentioned yesterday, um, just as we were crossing the border, that there's a, there's a feeling of hope um, in you. And sometimes we will go on a trip and we've, we actually feel hopeless. We're there to serve, we're there to love, but it's, it's, it's hard to find some hope in the midst of where we are. And yet you, you felt hope. Um, can you tell us wh why, 
why you felt hope and where did that come from? Um, I'm going to try not to cry, Beth. Um, I felt hope a couple, a lot of different times. Actually, I felt hope in watching our team um, be the adjectives that they chose. That was amazing. Um, I felt hope when we went to the church on Wednesday and stood outside just total poverty. I mean, you're trying not to step on like exposed wires and um, dogs that are probably diseased. And um, But it was so beautiful to look out over Juarez. I, I'd never experienced that before in Juarez. And that um, just felt beautiful. Uh, and I feel like it was because this church is in this this community and there are people that love Jesus and are bringing Jesus to that community. And then um, I felt hope at the, the orphanage um, to see Anna and Josefina love those kids to the best of their ability, and um, that gave me hope. And then the YWAM staff, I just fell in love with them. Um, they, There's a lot of Americans that serve with YWAM, but there were four Mexican YWAMers, and um, I don't know if that's the term, but... Um, it is now. Okay, good. I feel good about it. Um, they were incredible. They were just to hear their hearts and why they serve. Um, I think that's that is why it hit me the most. And so as we drove over the border to come home, hmm. I just I I said I'm just leaving with hope for hmm. them for the for the city of Juarez because they have Jesus in their people. Hmm. So good faith. Uh, you shared that you were pretty nervous going on the trip. What did God do with that nervousness, and how did the trip end? Uh, so I don't know very much Spanish, so I was kind of scared um, on how I was going to be able to talk to the kids and anyone who spoke Spanish, because there was a definite language barrier. And I was so surprised, because we went to the orphanage, and all the kids, uh, Anna had told us that they were like really, that we were like celebrities, and they wanted to hang out with us and stuff like that. But I was... <laughs> Uh, I was surprised that all the kids like ran up to me and like wanted to like hold my hand and take me places, and um, I found that I could hang out with them and have fun and play with them even if I didn't know Spanish. And um, this one little girl, uh, she just dragged me around literally everywhere. We went to the gym, we went and watched TV. She took me to her room. It was it was so much fun just being able to see her and her smile was so sweet and. Um, just so joyful, even though she didn't have as much as um, all of us and everything like that. Good. Awesome. And Billy, watching your family serve, you serving with them, uh, leaving uh, two behind but taking two with you and wrestling through that and, and watching everything that God did through our entire church but also in your family. What, what's going through your mind today? Oh, well, I'm still processing quite a bit. I mean, I don't know how you don't just have Derek stop at every picture and say a million words about it. I keep waiting for the point where somebody says something and I go, okay, that's, that's all we have to say. It was only a week, but literally every single picture has 30 stories associated with it. It was really packed. And um, so being there and leaving some of our family behind uh, was the biggest stumbling block for me. It was the hardest thing. And so my adjective was to be available because I knew that I had to be there or nothing was going to happen. I was going to be a wreck. Um, 
And so it didn't get easy to leave my family. It didn't get easy to deal with any of the things that I was struggling with. However, being there and seeing all of this and experiencing these things um, became so important that uh, it was easy to be present. It was easy to be focused. Um, and I don't really know how else to explain it other than that. Um, so that was the answer. And then a uh, final word from you, if there's a family or an individual who was contemplating going, but oh. was a little too nervous to go, chose not to go, really wants to, but didn't, what, what's, your, what's your word to them? So here's the thing about mission trips. Lisa and I have been on a lot of them. Uh, and, and everybody always thinks of these kinds of mission trips as, uh, well, you go and you kick the ball with some kids and you come home. Or you go and you hand out four spiritual laws, tracks, and you come home. And you kind of think to yourself in this, you know, it's the 21st century. That doesn't really do anything. This is not that. This is something completely different. This is going down. <laughs> Sorry. Of course, I'm the one that cries. Um, <laughs> this is going down and... Supporting the people who are staying. This is going down and giving hope to the people who will, for the rest of the year, for the rest of the decade, be with those kids and give them hope and take those four boys whose father had to drop them off for their own safety and supporting them. That's the untold story here. It's much different than doing a one-off thing. It's going and saying to people, you're not only doing a good job, you can continue doing a good job. And we are here to support you. Uh, and that is completely different than any other kind of mission trip you may have been on. Um, so my answer is, I don't know why every single one of you wouldn't go. Good, thank you. Thank you guys, appreciate it. Uh, let's have my crew come on up here. This ought to be good. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Uh, let's start with you, Max. Um, what did you spend the most time doing? What did you have the most fun doing? I'll so, hold it. <laughs> my favorite part was the orphanage and that my adjective my adjective came in, be, mine was Mighty Max, and even though I'm little, I can still serve for God. I can die and go to heaven now. Uh, Naomi, I'm trusting to give this to you. Okay. Um, you were down with us a year and a half ago on the scout trip, and then you came down with us as a family. Um, what did God do to your heart, and um, what are the next steps? Um, so I went on the serve trip, and I was the youngest. I was the only kid. It was a bunch of adults and me. The scout trip. The scout trip, yeah. To, like a year and a half ago, I was treated as an adult, and that was really cool to see it from an administrative standpoint and to see, okay, what do we want to do? What do we see God doing? And then to go this week and to see God doing that and to see people 
doing what we had planned, um, God really opened my heart for the people. And everywhere I just saw need and places that I could help, everywhere we went, I was like, I can do this. I can send this. I, I want to come down and do this. And I really left my heart there. And God, I just sat on the bus ride home and just thought of everything that I had seen in the people that I had talked to. And I just want to spend forever there. <laughs> I have to go through school, but yeah. School gets in the way. All right, Seth, uh, tell us what your adjective was and how God used it. So my adjective was silly Seth, and I just wanted to be silly. And when that came in handy, so, uh, when we had lunch with the YWAM um, kids, um, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but um, we could just understand them by how they were all laughing and moving their hands. Good. So your silliness came in handy. Yes. Okay, good. And Luke, uh, what was the most fun thing you did, and what are you always going to remember? Tell them. All right, put the mic up to your mouth. Okay, do you want mom to talk? Okay. Uh, Sandy, uh, you had a unique encounter with Jenny. Jenny is the one who uh, lives in El Paso, organizes all the food, um, brings uh, it over. There's Jenny and there's Sandy. So she's going to tell you about this story. So, Sandy. Okay, so this was Wednesday, and... Um, We'll see if I can get through this. Um, so by that afternoon, I was really hurting. And I hadn't had much sleep, no time by myself. So for an introvert, that was hard. Um, and I just had a moment where I needed to go outside the church, and I just start crying. And then um, Jenny came out. I was talking to Brian, and she came out and... And she didn't know I was having a hard time at that moment, but she's, she asked Brian and I to go in and pray for a woman who was hurting. And actually, let me pause this, because Jenny approached me. Sandy was trying to gain her composure, and she said, oh, what's wrong? And I said, she's really, really hurting. Would you pray for her? And Jenny's immediate response was, no, she's going to go pray for someone. That's what her response to pain was. So go ahead. And it was a real life moment where this, where scripture came alive and that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And it was an amazing experience because as I was praying for this woman whose name was Maria, and my middle name is Marie, so that was kind of fun, um, to experience the Holy Spirit through me actually healing me in that moment as I was praying for someone else for healing. Um, and then Jenny started praying for me as well. It, I just can't even explain what that moment was like. And then later she came to me and said, I have a word for you. And so... So it was interesting, too, because she said, well, I'm not quite sure how to translate her Spanish Bible into um, this English Bible. So we got ours out, and the words were a little bit different, but 
she had gone through some health issues, and God brought her to the scripture of Isaiah 66, verse 13, and it says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice, and you will flourish like grass. And in the Spanish Bible, it doesn't say grass, it says bones. And for the hope that God comforts us and having a rebirth. Um, so. That's awesome. Great. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. One of the coolest things for me as a dad, too, is every day not quite knowing where my boys were. And then I would find them playing with kids. And when Max would come and he's like, hold my jacket, I'm playing with my friends. Um, and so they weren't strangers. They weren't orphans to my kids. They were their friends. Uh, so it was unbelievably special. Uh, Shane and the Shevlins, uh, can you guys come up? And then have I missed anybody? Albert's not here. All right, Shane, what did you see, uh, and how were you impacted? The Lord just sort of brought little pieces all week long. But one of the little pieces was I saw a little girl who was at the orphanage. Uh, she was eating at that point, but the Lord just brought her to my mind. And then later, he gave me an opportunity to, through the translator, me being the English speaker that I am, uh, gave me an opportunity to talk to her. And as I was talking to her, um, the Lord just kept bringing on, she's not from here. She's not from here. And so... And through the translator, I asked her, where are you from? And she said, I'm from uh, Tijuana. Yeah. And uh, I started thinking, wow, what an amazing thing. This eight-year-old girl um, brought to Juarez and in this orphanage all by herself. And uh, how many times are all of us like that? Hmm. But uh, so anyway, I prayed for her the rest of the week, but uh, continue to pray for her. Good. Mark, um, you've gone, you, you and Beth have been doing this for 25 years off and on, um, but they're always new. They're always um, a little bit of a twist. How are you impacted? Um, how are you? How are you different today? Well, uh, each you know you can go on numerous trips, but each time you come back or I come back, impacted in a different way in a different situation that I see. So I, I watched the team, and I was able to to observe and to be there to support, to encourage and to love on the team as well as, uh, as well as YWAM people, as well as the children. Uh, I was able to play with, uh, with the children 
at Bethel Orphanage, and it was just amazing just to, you know, just to go back. You know, every time you go back to, you know, the other uh, boy or the other girl that was there before. I think Beth and I were able to, all of a sudden we'd see, we'd see a face that we remembered from, you know, 10 years ago. You know, you'd see someone that would, you know, that you were able to connect, reconnect with, and so on and so forth. Uh, but the moments, you know, the moments that, you know, that click into your mind, you know, and, and I'm praying and I'm, you know, I'm praying for those connections and connections, you know, and Sandy's connection with, uh, with Jenny and Maria, that was uh, a highlight for me because I was able to be in the background, but yet pray diligently over the three of them, knowing that each one of them had, uh, you know, a physical problem, but yet they were praying for each other, uh, and separate from their own pain, they were able to pray for one another. So that in itself was, was very much a highlight for me, and uh, I'll never forget that moment. Beth? I have no question. You can say whatever you want. Well, <laughs> ah, I was thinking what I would say. Um, I was really proud of my team. That was one. Um, as a leader, you encourage your team to pour it all out, um, to not hold back. Brian referred to the number of introverts on our team. And so that's not always the easiest thing in the world. But um, to watch people not hesitate, nobody hesitated, um, but instead poured out and poured out and poured out. I think there were times when we wondered, this is three days. This was not even like a week of outreach, or this was like a little blip and we're, we were gone. And yet, God did amazing stuff. These people that you've heard from, they won't be the same. And that was our hope and our prayer, that when we come back, that we would not be the same. And so um, after all of the years of not going and not taking families, um, it was nothing but delight for me to go and to um, be a part of that and to dream about the future, this partnership with YWAM and with the church and the orphanage and who knows who. Um, God would have us partner with, but it was um, it was one of the sweetest things ever. Um, we've done this so many times, and I've asked God, why why won't you just let that one go? Why this family discipleship thing? Why it should still matter when our kids are in their thirties? But um, it does, and I can't let go of it something I'm passionate about. And so as much as I love to see what happens and the encouragement that the Mexican people, the people in the church, the organizations, the encouragement that we can bring to them, I really love what happens to the people who get on the bus and really love to see what happens when families serve together because we don't, unfortunately, don't do a ton of that here, and yet there we are able to. Thanks. Thanks awesome. for all your prayers and support. Thank you. Give them a round of applause. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Uh, so many of you uh, gave money 
to the trip to individuals or just in mass to the trip as we were getting ready to leave both on Sunday and Monday people were handing us money uh, either cash or in check to help uh, that allowed us to really really bless our friends and family down there uh, in some very very tangible special ways and so just want to say thank you for that thank you for uh, grabbing the schedule and praying diligently all week for us um, we absolutely uh, saw God just touching each and every aspect of it. The the trip, uh, to have this many people to, to go down there, be down there the whole time and to come back, we did not have a single incident uh, to name of no flat tires, no, no nothing. Uh, God just blessed it beyond belief. And so thank you for being a part of that. Uh, thanks also, uh, you know, if you've ever been on a, like a family vacation and a and a friend comes over and you've been that obnoxious one to go, hey, can I show you my pictures from my vacation? Um, and you take an hour of their time and they show interest, it means the world to you, right? And so for you guys uh, to be here and to take interest in the church's trip, we might have been the ones to actually go, but we were all part of it. You guys uh, brought supplies for the shoe boxes uh, out of your own pockets. Uh, you showed up for the packing party to put those shoe boxes together and to pray over those. A few of you showed up the morning that we were leaving to help us load the bus and to pray with us. It, this was an all-play church effort. And uh, in the future, our, our very, very practical hope for next steps is we've got a handful of YWAMers that we want to support. We already support as a church, Jose and Christina um, Torres. Uh, the pastors at the church, so we want to continue to do some of that, especially with the new YWAM friends that we have. Uh, we're also hoping to do um, once a year family trip, once a year work trip, uh, where we just take a, a group of like army soldiers down to do work, and then once a year student ministries trip. And now that we've got this new relationship with YWAM, uh, I can't even explain to you uh, the doors that are open, so I'm so excited to share with that. Um, with Alex and Mark and Beth are retiring, so they're going to have more time uh, to do it all. Uh, and so we're uh, glad for retirement. Um, Mark is preaching, and Jose Luis is on the right, looks super excited about his <laughs> joke. That's how most people responded to Mark's jokes. Um, so it was interesting. I was standing up against the kitchen counter. Uh, as worship was going on, and I, and I had this overwhelming sense um, that Mark Popenhagen should preach that morning. And I thought, well, no one's ever been a guest at our church and come up to me and said, hey, I think so-and-so oh, so -so should preach uh, instead of you. And so I'm like, I'm not saying that to Jose Luis. And then literally the exact second that I was thinking it, Beth saw me through the doorway and motioned for me to come outside. And I walked outside, and it was Beth and Mark and Jose Luis. And um, uh, Jose Luis said, we need something from you. Or Beth said, we need some. And I said, you need money? And uh, Jose Luis was like, yeah, we need that, but something else. Uh, and he's like, you're preaching. And I said, man, I, I think Mark Popenhagen is supposed to preach. And so he goes, well, you better go tell him. <laughs> and so I went around and motioned for Mark to come into the alley. And I said, hey, Mark, do you have your Bible? And he said, yeah, I've got my Bible. I said, I said good, you're preaching, so figure something out. <laughs> and, uh, and without missing a beat, he grabbed his Bible, began to pray. We had people praying over him. And 
uh, he preached an incredible sermon. He actually preached it like three or four times, um, which we'll tell you about at another day offline. Um, Jose Luis kept going in and out, and so Mark just kept figuring out something else to say. And then Jose Luis didn't know how to interrupt him, so he just left. And so <laughs> Mark just kept talking. So anyway, uh, great, great time. Last story, and then we'll bring the worship team up. You saw the picture of the little boy laughing hysterically with me. Um, his name's Jose. Uh, he was at Bethel Orphanage. And um, Mark Shevlin was there, and, and Mark has hair and, and had taken off his hat, and I had a hat on, and I took my hat off, and he just kept staring at my head um, over and over, like repeatedly, just not even dropping his eyes, just looking at my head. Well, it turns out he had never seen a bald person before, ever. And so I feel pretty touched that I got to fill that for him. Um, and, uh, and so he kept looking at Mark and then looking at me, and then he just started laughing where he couldn't breathe. And I was thinking to myself, like, even in Mexico, I'm getting mocked. Uh, and he just kept laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. And then he lifted his hand up, and I said, you want to touch it? And so he, I bent down, and he touched it, and he just, then he just looked at his hand with like, as if he had put his hand in Nickelodeon slime. And he, and he began to wipe it, and he, and he just kept saying, that is weird, that is weird. And then he started shouting, no guapo, no guapo, which is, you're not handsome. Um, so people say you get blessed more going there. I, I didn't get blessed at all in that moment, but I, I mean, he couldn't breathe. He was laughing so hard um, at that picture of... Um, at my expense. Um, so uh, we're just going to take a moment. Team's going to lead us in worship for, uh, here in just a minute, but I'm just going to take a moment and we're just going to be quiet. And I, and I just want us to watch the pictures for a little bit. The car that you saw all shot up is smack dab right in the middle of the playground uh, of the orphanage. Um, and like uh, someone said, you know, the dumps and the houses all around this orphanage just plopped in. But Kids are running around this car. It's been shot up beyond belief. So let's just take a moment. I'll pray for us, um, and then we'll, we'll head into some worship.
Let's pray together. God, what an unbelievable privilege that it is to be your hands and feet, to bring encouragement and hope to those who are serving, to be a boost for them and to put a smile on their face and to join them where they are at work in the kingdom. What a joy it is to, um, to hold a child in our arms and to love them um, in a way that they are so uh, dearly lacking. How good it is to lay our head down at the end of the day on a pillow with absolutely nothing left. No energy to lift our head, no energy to talk, just completely poured out uh, for you. What a joy it is that you take uh, 27 individuals and make them a team uh, to go be uh, an army. And what a joy it is to gather and worship today as family, uh, even though our friends and family aren't here, they're they're with us in picture and, and we worship without borders. Thank you so much for the gift that uh, you give us the command to go. And we pray that uh, you were glorified and honored uh, by the sharing this morning and by the pictures. Thank you for this dear little church this small group of band of believers that believe they can change the world. It's what first made me fall in love with this church, and it is just another reminder this morning why. So personally, Lord, I, I just am so unbelievably grateful for this place. We look forward to the future, what you're going to do through this with the new relationships, with the new experiences. And as Beth said, um, we're different because of it. And um, yeah, we just look forward to seeing what you're going to do because of it. God, we look forward to the Christmas party for the foster care system. As we keep pouring out, would you replenish us? We look forward to Christmas Eve. We look forward to decorating the church this afternoon. May we um, live life here with the same spirit and integrity and servant's heart as we did um, with our friends in Juarez. So hear us now as we worship. Um, we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?